Dennis, we're going to talk about some of your old favourite mm. herbs mm. today. And uh, you're thinking about herbs which are basically simple, prescribed simply, but on their own they can be very effective. Absolutely, Jane. And look, what I want to do today is look at a couple of herbs that we've touched on previously, uh, which are so simple and so safe that they need to be continually brought before the public because of their great potential to handle some of the health problems that we all experience. Health naturally. We are, of course, going to talk about a few simple herbs in just a moment, but Michelle has rung in from Clarence Town. Michelle, you've got a question about comfrey cream, yes? Yes, I do. Hello, Michelle. Good day, how are you? I'm very well. How can we help you? Yeah, just wondering when you're using comfrey cream, I've heard that it can be cancerous. Okay, let me put it in perspective. Comfrey is one of those old-fashioned, simple herbs um, which unfortunately uh, in recent times has been shown to contain what's called a pyrolizidine alkaloid. Now, pyrolizidine alkaloids occur in quite a few plants uh, and the problem is that if they are ingested uh, for any length of time, it's possible that they can cause the liver uh, to develop a particular disease, a veno-occlusive disease. So in recent times, even though for years and years and years and years, for centuries, even though it has been used and used very successfully as an internal medicine, for the last 20 or 30 years, uh, it has been prohibited to be used as such, but uh, it's uh, quite safe to be used as a topical application, and that's why it is permissible to purchase comfrey ointments or comfrey creams in that way any likelihood of uh, absorbing a pyrolizidine alkaloid is very 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 remote and that's why they are permitted to be manufactured and sold for topical benefits so put it in perspective uh, if it is used unwisely as an ingested substance over a period of time it's problematical however as a topical agent it is quite remarkable, and let me emphasise, quite remarkable for its ability uh, to help particularly joint problems, joint problems that have sustained, say, a break, uh, where, there, where there are some residual symptoms, where the break perhaps is not completely healed or, or is slow healing. A topical application of, of comfrey uh, can stimulate that process by virtue of comfrey containing a substance called allantoin, which explains the history of comfrey uh, as, as a herb that's always been known as knitbone. In other words, it promotes, yeah. promotes yeah. healthy granulation of bony tissue and it works remarkably well there. The other area where it can be very useful also is in addressing uh, some mild traumas of, of the muscle body, bruising, and aching and pains it's useful there but it is primarily an agent to to handle if you like joint problems joint pain slow healing breaks there it is famous yeah yeah thank you for that so So that that answers your question michelle yeah it's very limited well there's not much chance of getting um, cancer from the cream it would not be permitted to be manufactured and and, uh, and retailed, let alone prescribed, if it were considered to be a, a toxic substance used in that way. Let me let me just say, in defence of comfrey, um, 
most herbal medicine practitioners in this country, certainly of, of, of my, my age group, would have used comfrey uh, even as an ingestible substance under monitored conditions uh, for treating various conditions. And I'm not aware of any practitioner ever having any patient or client who developed problems associated with that because most herbalists and naturopaths or even some GPs that may have prescribed it used it wisely in correct dosage and for specific conditions and that had a great safety margin around it and that was put before the regulatory authorities I understand uh, when it was subsequently decided not to use it that way. I think the authorities came out from the point of view of public safety and that is correct and on that basis even though uh, practitioners had hitherto used it wisely and cautiously and in correct dosage and in the correct preparation, it was decided to restrict it to topical use. To a new RFM's health naturally with you at the moment. Now, Dennis, you want to talk about some really what you consider significant herbs that can be used on their own to very good Absolutely. effect. And, and the look, um, these herbs are so characteristic of what we refer to as Western herbalism. And Western herbalism is that very credible, uh, well-documented system of herbalism uh, which is practised by particularly English-speaking practitioners in uh, North America, in England, South Africa, Australia, New Zealand, well-documented. And some of its core remedies are very well-defined and very well-known, but unfortunately uh, not as well-known as they should be by the public or even by mainstream practitioners. I've mentioned a couple of these herbs previously on the program. One of them in particular is that remarkable, famous representative herb of Western herbalism known as slippery elm. Now, I know we've touched on it before, but I've had some interesting experiences of it this week which encouraged me to just bring it before my listeners again and point out the benefits of this quite remarkable substance, frequently referred to as slippery elm powder, uh, slippery elm food. Some of the older practitioners saw it more as a food than a medication, but slippery elm powder is in fact a product produced from the slippery elm bark. That's an American uh, tree. The botanical name of the tree is almost fulva, and the bark of the tree is very uh, compassionately and properly uh, harvested from the trees. They were at one stage uh, thought to be in problems because of the rapacious way in which the bark had been hitherto uh, ripped from the trees. But these days, from what I understand in North America, uh, whilst it's not considered an endangered species, uh, the harvesting of the bark is done cautiously and properly so as not to endanger uh, these trees, many of which are, are very, very tall and very gracious trees. That bark contains some remarkable healing properties, and I use fairly lay language here, Jane, because that's the best way to explain it. Its main principle is that it contains a chemical constituent called mucilage. Now, mucilage has a remarkable range of properties, but let me just say to listeners, its effect on the upper gut is one of the most remarkable effects that this herb can engender, and by that I mean... It has a remarkable protective and healing effect on the uh, upper gut, particularly in its inflamed or even ulcerative condition. The mucilage puts a protective barrier on the stomach wall, and as a result, 
allows, say, an ulcer to heal faster or people that suffer reflux to experience the benefit of this protective wall that this powder can put on the wall when it is taken regularly as part of one's diet or part of one's medication. That is a remarkable area because some of my medical colleagues now tell me that some of the popular uh, medications that are prescribed to deal with reflux and, and upper gut problems are being a little bit questioned as to problems perhaps with their long-term prescribing. One of my colleagues who studied with me many years ago, a lovely uh, pharmacy colleague of mine in, in, in Victoria, knows of my enthusiasm for uh, products based on slippery elm and says, look, you better gear up for it because there's going to be a big demand coming from our profession seeing that there seems to be reservations now about some of the more popular mainstream medications. Now, whether that's true or not, I take his word. But in this situation, Slippery Elm has a proven track record, a competitive track record, but yet still is perhaps not taken as seriously as it should be by some of the mainstream prescribers, who, in my opinion, should do what many naturopaths and herbalists do, see it as a first-line of therapy, particularly for some of the milder, uh, earlier stages of gut wall inflammation and irritation. So for all those listeners out there, slippery on powder, a capsule as a powder taken as a food on one cereal or taken as a capsule as medication, think of it primarily to start with as a potential soothing agent for the stomach, particularly that stomach that gives listeners very many problems very few substances in natural medicine can compete with the safety, the efficacy and the economy of using the bark from Slippery Elm, a great American contribution to Western herbalism. With Health Naturally and Dennis Stewart answering your questions, Steve has rung in from Barnsley. And Steve, you've got a question about vitamin E capsules. Hello, Steve. Hello. Hello, Steve. G'day, Dennis. What's your, what's your question? Um, should I take them? Okay. You're using vitamin E capsules, are you, Steve? Not yet. Okay. Um, why, why were you wanting to take them? Um, just to get a bit of vim and um, uh, fix the skin up a bit. Okay. Make me younger. If you find out what, the, what you can uh, do to uh, make you younger, please let me know, Steve. We'll, we'll do a deal because we'll uh, both become rich people. Um, look, um, to be honest, uh, I would not think that vitamin E taken deliberately uh, as a supplement would give you that uh, stimulus, that... Uh, <coughs> Uh, how can I call it, that virility, that get up and go that you're obviously looking for. Vitamin E has had a history um, as being useful for a prophylactic um, supplement to deal with cardiovascular conditions in the literature. Um, there's a fair amount of information encouraging perhaps its consideration um, to keep the, the blood vessels, major blood vessels, um, free of plaque or contributing towards freeing plaque from the blood vessels. And I remember on this program quite a few years ago 
an elderly lady uh, ringing up and mentioning that she and her husband had taken vitamin E religiously for the bulk of their life and had been determined uh, by their good doctor that their blood vessels were as clear as crystals. And as far as she was concerned, this was associated with their early reading about the potential of vitamin E as a substance to take prophylactically against some cardiovascular conditions, particularly dealing with uh, with the blood vessels. Now, I believe that, Laley. Uh, uh, perhaps, unfortunately, vitamin E is not perhaps promoted as vigorously today as it was, say, 40 years ago when it was a popular supplement that uh, that we all learned about, prescribed and used. Maybe because other supplements or other foods or supplements have come on which can compete with it, but it does warrant consideration taken as a useful uh, vitamin supplement in stipulated dosage. It would seem to have some potential uh, to use prophylactically, preventatively, in helping maintain the health of the blood vessels. I think it would be a good thing, but Steve, as far as doing anything to increase your vitality, to make you jump in ways that you've never jumped before, I think um, I wouldn't place too much emphasis there. A far call for (laughs) it. I have heard that vitamin E cream is very good for healing uh, cuts and breaks in the skin. It's like like comfrey. Um, It has some remarkable and proven benefits when it's applied to the skin. Um, Even vitamin E oil is sometimes used as an attempt to maintain moisture of the skin, general health of the skin, and it has quite significant healing capacity for slow healing lesions, uh, scaly lesions, skin conditions that warrant a bit of nutrition. And you can buy vitamin E creams fairly readily. Um, So it has dual functions. Um, But let me just say... Um, the vitamin E, if it is going to be taken by listeners as an oral supplement, needs to be taken strictly in accordance with its dosage because vitamin E is what we call a fat-soluble vitamin that is in significant continual overdose. It's, it may have an impact on the liver. So if you're going to take vitamin E, A, discuss it with your doctor or pharmacist, use it uh, wisely, but use it confidently because of what I've said this morning, there is evidence to suggest that it's useful for the cardiovascular system. Thank you very much for your call, Steve. Now, we had another call from Mick from Vasey, who doesn't want to be on air. Mm -hmm. He's um, gone. But uh, his habit is to eat whole small chilies straight from the bush. And he wants to know if that's good for him or not. (laughs) Oh, hello, Mick. I wonder if you are of Mexican extraction (laughs) because uh, (laughs) in South America... (coughs) That's what happens, I'm, I'm, isn't it? <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not laughing at your question, but I, I have seen some of the competitions that take place in South America associated with um, rows of uh, men and sometimes women uh, sitting down and uh, eating uh, chilies. And the one who can eat uh, the hottest chilies for the longest period of time um, gets the prize, that is, if they can live to tell the tale. Um, chilies, as you would appreciate, Mick, have various levels of pungency. Now, let me just say, you're listening to someone, i.e. myself, who has great fondness for chilies, and like you, like you, and my dear wife will vouch for this, uh, like you, I readily uh, will take them in their crude, raw state. Uh, when they are growing in my property in the valley, 
I'll take them off the bush and um, eat them just as you do. And I'm pretty good at doing it. I can handle um, the very, very hot ones, not the hottest, but by gee, I get close to it and I'm able to tolerate it pretty well. Well done. Uh, Well done. On the other hand, my dear wife, um, if she were to take it, I think she would be in distress despite all the slippery elm that she might have to take. But look, um, I can see nothing wrong uh, in in using the chilli, the ripe chilli, fresh from the bush, uh, particularly in the context of of other foods. Uh, Again, um, one would use it wisely and cautiously and sensibly. If you have, for instance, an ulcer or reflux or or other conditions associated with the gut, you would use it cautiously and you would use the more moderate uh, levels of the chilli. Let me come back and say to listeners, if you've been into your nursery, you would see that you can purchase uh, chilli plants and they would have little uh, labels or uh, other information on them telling them about the grade that they have. If you're wanting to become a chilli fan, they grow easily. They virtually grow forever. But start off by talking to your nursery man, getting one that's very moderately warm. And if you then over the years get game, you can move up and boast about your ability to even take some that are really challenging. But look, I see nothing wrong with that. But be cautious, I say to listeners who have sensitive upper guts, uh, chilli obviously would not be wise to be taken. If you had an ulcer, it would be very unwise. Um, but, yeah, look, I think it's a great idea. And let me just say I'm a great fan of chilli. And there's a lot of information suggesting that it has benefits uh, on the cardiovascular system. It has benefits in actually promoting uh, digestion in sluggish digestions. But, again, it's unwise um, to use it if you have upper gut problems. Uh, if you're going to use it, use the ones that are not quite as pungent. May I just say that if you are growing in an area where there are possums living, you might need to net them. <laughs> I've found that with chilli bushes, that they gobble. Oh, but you live in the wilderness, don't you, Jen? In Merriweather somewhere. <laughs> That's the wilderness, yeah, quite. <laughs> well, Pat has rung in from East Maitland, Dennis. She's 85 and she's just started getting migraines. That's what you want to ask Dennis about, is it, Pat? Yes, love. Hello, yes. Pat. How are you doing? Not too bad, thanks. That's Only good. Headaches. The headaches are no good, are they? No bad. Now, your your GP has definitely diagnosed them as migraine, has he? Yes, yes. And you only you've only started experiencing in, in yes, recent the times. Last, the last three four months. Oh, that's no good. Are you getting them daily, weekly, or monthly? Well, sometimes I I mainly get them when I go to bed, and the minute I lay my head on the pillow, they come. Okay, now that's interesting. Um, uh, has has your GP suggested any investigation of of your of your neck and your bony structure around had, your neck? I've had a uh, uh, MRI and yeah. I've also had a, uh, a scan on my brain and nothing there. Okay, oh, well, you've got a brain there, Jane. <laughs> you've got a brain there. Don't let yourself down. <laughs> I mean, no. <laughs> Now, it's all clear. I'm, I'm just taking the mickey out of your pad. It sounded really good, no brain, because you come over pretty <laughs> lucid. Look, the only re- the only reason I uh, I ask that, Pat, is that it's interesting that when you lay down, there would seem to be a positional factor here that would be implicated. Um, is your general practitioner open to, uh, for you to see, say, a masseuse or a masseur or, no. an, or an osteopath? No. Okay. 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 Well, well he, he hasn't uh, suggested that. 
No, no. Okay. Do, well, you look, do you think he'd be anti that? What to see a natural pack? Oh, well, no, not not necessarily someone ma- not someone as left field as myself, but someone <laughs> who's got good hands who can loosen up the muscles around your neck and shoulders. Or, it's or, the back of my head, it's not my neck, it's oh, my head okay. yeah, on okay. the crown. All right. Well, all that I can suggest is, and again, if you go down this pathway, run it past your good GP. There, there is a herb called feverfew. I'll spell oh, it for you. I've heard of that. Yes, feverfew. Feverfew. It's readily available. It's not expensive. Interestingly, Pat, it, it in modern times developed a reputation because in the UK um, um, it was found that some people were in fact just taking a leaf, a leaf a day from Fiverview Bush yeah. and, and eating it and claiming that they were getting benefit from it. And from yeah. that, from that, some serious analysis was done of the plant and it was shown that it did have potential to be used as an agent that could abort or lessen the likelihood of the migraine. Now, not everyone likes taking it that way. Unfortunately, um, it, it, it is presented these days in a simple form like a capsule, yeah. and it, it is a very low-dose preparation. Yeah. Yeah. So if you were to try it, and again, let me emphasise, run it past your GP. I'm sure in this case he wouldn't have any problems with it. Um, Run it past him, start off with the lowest dose and give it a try to see if that will actually stop the occurrence of them. Give that yeah. a try before you do anything else. Yeah, well, I've got to go to the doctor on Wednesday, so I'll ask. We'll mention that to him if he's got a computer. He should be, and I'm sure he would these days. I'll be the only practitioner that hasn't got a computer on the desk. Yeah. But uh, yeah. if, if he's got a computer on his desk, um, he, he can punch out the information on FIFA View. And certainly your pharmacist, certainly your pharmacist uh, would, be, would be able to give you a printout um, on FIFAview and its medicinal properties and they would concur with what I've said. Yeah. All the very best with that, Pat. Yeah, yeah well, I'll tell you what, when, when I get it, if I go well, I'll ring you back and tell you. I believe you. That would be really you. good. That would okay. be good. That would be good, Pat. Good Thanks you. for your call, Pat. Health Naturally with... Dennis Stewart today, and Alan has rung in from Tuggera. Alan, you've got a, a neighbour who needs a hip replacement but has weeping sores on his legs that won't heal, and so they're saying they can't do the operation. Is that right? That's correct, yeah. Hello, Alan. Look, I think we can, Hello, uh, I think we can help you with this, Alan. Uh, what it is, Dennis, sorry, yeah, I'll just okay. give you a quick rundown. Yes, yes, they're, good, about good. As big as a, they're about as big as a 20-cent piece. Yes. He was carrying a bit of weight. He's yes. one of those fellas that sort of the bottom parts of his legs are red, his feet are red yes. and swollen. Is he diabetic? So, is he diabetic? No. Okay. No. okay. Um, now, we just can't get him to who. I've seen him weep. He puts his leg up on the chair and I've seen it actually drip. Yes. Now, what, what he has here is obviously... Uh, a circulatory problem. Uh, We call it a peripheral circulatory insufficiency. That is, his uh, extremities are probably not being uh, adequately supplied uh, with blood or the circulation is is a bit weak or poor to that area. And as a result of that, any lesion uh, is probably reluctant to heal. You you frequently see this sort of situation, well, I've frequently seen it, in in patients that are a big build, uh, generally big legs, and uh, sometimes even diabetics. 
uh, have this yep. condition and these things are difficult to heal but there are a couple of things that he should contemplate uh, doing again because of the seriousness of his condition he should mention it to his medical managers but one of the things that I'd suggest he uh, get hold of is what's called honey ointment now, honey ointment, honey ointment. Yep. and uh, most GPs today would have the literature supporting our, our modern understanding of the way in which honey promotes uh, rapid, safe uh, healing. It has an antiseptizing effect as well as a, a, an ability to promote healing. And I know a lot about this because I think, as far as I'm aware, I was the first to produce a honey ointment in this country based on a famous Russian formula, which I've spoken about on this program before. And I've written a, a lot on this particular particular product, the honey ointment, as a result of seeing remarkable cases that defied, defied all mainstream approaches. And in one case, uh, the patient was even threatened, uh, threatened I should say, with, with an amputation scenario. So honey ointment uh, should be at least raised as a possibility the other ointment that's also used in the profession is, is comfrey ointment. Now, we mentioned comfrey earlier as an agent to be used topically in promoting uh, healing of, of, of bones that are a bit fragile and a bit broken. Uh, but honey ointment also, uh, not honey ointment, comfrey ointment also is one of those ointments with a big, big reputation in addressing uh, ulcers and slow healing, weeping wounds uh, on the peripheries, but honey ointment to kick off with is the one that I would go first. Now, the second thing is, in this in this condition, you also need to think about using uh, what are called bioflavonoids, uh, and these are readily available and very economical. Bioflavonoids um, have the effect of promoting circulation and also reducing or lessening inflammation. And bioflavonoids... Uh, used as an oral medication to support the topical management of this condition is a really good start. Vitamin C is usually an accompanying substance with the bioflavonoids. One bioflavonoid particularly called rutin, R-U-T-I-N, is renowned for its ability to promote uh, circulation in impaired areas. And all that is, is safe as far as I'm concerned, and I've helped a lot of people over my 40 years with conditions like that. Run it past his GP. This should not be something that's just done individually. It needs to be monitored either by a community nurse with the GP authorising it, um, and also um, um, there's, there's nothing in it that would interfere with any other aspect of his, of his uh, treatment, even if he's on other medications. It's unlikely that bioflavonoids with it would interact and it would seem that anything topically he's been using hasn't been working in any case. So there you go, two applications, the honey ointment, secondly, a comfrey ointment, and thirdly, oral medication based on what are called bioflavonoids. Beautiful. I appreciate your help, and I'll pass that on. I've written it all down. There you go. Fantastic. Thanks for your call, Alan. This is Health Naturally on 2NURFM, and Graham has rung in from Woodbury. Uh, Graham, you've got a problem with burning feet, throbbing legs, and a fatty liver. Yeah, yeah. Hello, Graham. Sounds like too much for one person. Yeah, it is. Yeah, it's pretty bad. I've had it for 
Yeah, quite some years now. Okay. I've had a couple of operations on my back, one on my neck and one on my lower spine anyway, and it's created a problem with my legs to start with. It, it, uh, they're like, it's like a really bad toothache in my legs all the time. Okay. Graeme, has your doctor prescribed Lyrica for you? Yeah, I'm taking the maximum dose, okay, 300 okay. milligrams, yeah. Okay, okay. now, uh, are your um, legs in any way at all, uh, are they ulcerated or are they any lesions on them at all, or are you, all the, the skin's intact? No, everything's right. It, 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 yeah, no, it, it's, um, yeah, no, everything's fine in that department. Okay, well, look, uh, what I would suggest is that you consider using something topically, that's something that you can apply... And one of the things that I would suggest here is that you consider and, and run this past your pharmacist or your health food store retailer, but in this case, preferably your pharmacist, run past the pharmacist the possibility of using a capsicum-based cream, a capsicum-based cream or a capsicum-based lotion. Now, why do I say that? Um, capsicum contains constituents in it that have the ability to progressively deaden um, nerve-based pain and therefore this might be a useful way of working with what your doctor has prescribed that is Lyrica to see if you can take further the edge off this discomfort so the first thing I'd recommend mention it to your GP if he knows nothing about it mention it to your pharmacist who would I'm sure know something about it a capsicum based lotion or cream Use it sensitively first to make sure that you can tolerate it. As far as the fatty liver is concerned, um, taking the herb St. Mary's thistle is a remarkable way of helping the liver cope with this very common condition. Fatty liver. Are you, are you, are you a big drinker, Graham? Uh, I was, but yeah. I'm not anymore. Okay. Well, look, yeah. um, St. Mary's thistle is one of the few herbs that can promote uh, repair of the damaged liver and it's one of the most specific herbs in our literature for helping pa patients that present uh, with a fatty liver condition who want a bit of relief from some of the symptoms that can uh, uh, come away from it. So try those two things. You've asked about a leg condition. I've suggested you use a topical preparation based on capsicum. And for your fatty liver condition, it's good that you've cut down on the grog. Use some St Mary's thistle. Uh, that should help. Okay. Yeah, thanks for that. Uh, Thank with, you, uh, with the legs, yeah, with yep. the legs yep. uh, before you go, uh, yeah, um, I've been to every specialist known yep. to man yep. to yep. try and sort it. Yep. Yep. No yep. one can do anything, but it is a nerve issue. Yep, and this is why I'm saying that capsicum has a basis as to how it interferes with the transmission of nerve-based pain from particular areas. I could go and give you a pharmacological explanation, but again, it's in the literature. Your pharmacist would understand uh, there is a product in the marketplace that the pharmacist would know about that's used particularly for neurological pain, more associated with what's called post-shingles uh, neuralgia, uh, this preparation or capsicum would work 
perhaps in your problem just as well as what it would do in, say, a shingle situation. So all the very best mm. with that, Graham. And uh, our last call for today, Dennis, is from Lynn from East Gresford. Uh, your mouth's a bit sore, is it, all the time, Lynn? Yes, at least at this very moment it's um, OK. But it has caused a problem for months and months and months with blisters and... Uh, not sure if it's ulcers yes. or cold sores yes. in in the mouth. Okay, well, Lynn, I haven't seen you for a while. No, no? You, you, I miss the eggs you used to bring in. <laughs> well, we've, it's been COVID. Oh, of course, and we've of been course. Stuck. Okay. Well, look, one of the things I'd suggest. I'm just wondering how you could get it, though. If you can't get it, uh, ring me and I'll make sure you get some. But one of the things that you should try for this condition is using, a, a, to start with, a mouthwash, which is purely just licorice extract, fluid extract of licorice, about five mils of licorice with a little bit of glycerin, put into a medicine glass with some warm water. Mouth, wash, wash your mouth out with that uh, a couple of times a day. Always uh, be a little bit sensitive about anything that you use for these conditions, but licorice is a remarkable anti-ulcerous an anti-inflammatory agent. It's very popularly used to treat ulceration of the stomach and it works pretty well when used topically as a, as a mouthwash in something like a, a, an ulceration of the, uh, of the, of the gums or, or the mouth. It would be the first thing that I would think of, about five mils of the fluid extract of licorice with a little bit of glycerin in it, put into a bit of warm water, uh, swished around the mouth, as we used to say, a couple of times a day, I would be happy for you to give that a go. Um, if you can't get a fluid extract of licorice up round where you are, you know, contact me and I'll send it up to you as a little gift from the program. Thank you very much. Good on because you, Because I, I find it very, very painful. I bet you do. Look, see how you go with this. I know you'll give me a ring back and let me know how you're doing. Okay, thank you. Thank you very much, Lynn. Thanks for your call, Lynn. Now, we've just got a minute or so to go. Would you like to round up on Slippery Elm? Yes, look what we could say about Slippery Elm. Look, round up very, very quickly. The reason I wanted to take it up today is that very frequently young children have problems with their bowels and they start off having a, a nasty constipational effect which then makes them almost paranoid about subsequently going to the toilet and this can create problems and I've treated quite a few patients with this little lass in this week who has been traumatised with this problem um, almost paranoid about going to the toilet putting her on slippery elm has changed the, the whole scenario uh, the, the, the soothing easing, softening regulating effect of slippery elm on a bowel that um, has hitherto been traumatised, constipated, and with a little lady that's been very, very frightened of the whole process, slippery elms work wonders there, as it will generally do in young kids, in adults, all of whom may experience similar sluggish, I call them transit time problems in bowel conditions. Ah, Thank you so much, Dennis Stewart. And Health Naturally will return next Friday after the midday news on 2NURFM. (laughs) 
Thanks for listening to this podcast from 2NURFM at the University of Newcastle. Topics range from gardening to health, well-being, pet care, finance, business and travel. You'll find them all at 2NURFM.com. <laughs>